In the text from Hosea that Carolyn read a moment ago, there is a moment that I feel confident many of us here were able to picture in our minds. I, God says, I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. The reason that I suspect many of us can picture this image is because I suspect that many of us already have that picture framed somewhere in our homes. Those of you who are parents, you do, don't you? Those of you who may not be parents, you have seen this in the homes of your friends. It's one of the first pictures all young parents take with their newborn's child held up cheek to cheek with mom or dad, eyes on the camera, smiles all around, happy and hopeful, looking ahead to all that will come. There are few things in this world more hopeful than welcoming a new child into a family. At the same time, There are also few things in this world that are more daunting. Parenthood, like several other important areas of life, starts out with a boot camp. Baptism by fire, instructions unclear, little rest, less sleep, and the whole thing orchestrated by a dictator who refuses to explain what it is he or she actually wants, preferring instead to scream all through the day and through most of the night. And then they become mobile, which makes it more difficult. And then they become verbal, which might make it the most difficult of all. I've told this story here before, but when Hannah Ruth was about three or four years old, I took her one day to a Barnes and Noble and told her that she could pick out a couple of books. She didn't want a book. What she wanted was a My Little Pony doll. I told her very clearly that we could not buy the My Little Pony, that we were there to buy books, not toys. So we picked out a couple of books that she liked. We got in line to check out, and right as we got to the register, she scurried off and returned right back with the My Little Pony. I can still picture it. Her name was Twilight. (laughs) I tell Hannah Ruth to put it back, that we're not getting it. And she's explaining to me why we actually should get it. And the woman at the register is standing there waiting on us. And I tell Hannah Ruth that the line behind us is backing up. And that was the moment that she looked at me, looked at the woman at the register, and licked that doll head to heel.
Parenting's hard. One day back in seminary, I was having a conversation with a professor of mine, and I asked him how his family was doing, and he put his head back and closed his eyes, and he let out a deep sigh. He told me that he had just realized the week before that his youngest daughter, as she was getting older and her personality was coming into focus, was turning in to his older sister. Parenting's hard. Several years ago, a buddy of mine from high school had to have a sit-down conversation with his middle son and explain to him that because they had a shared family account, his mother could see every single thing he searched for on the internet. <laughs> Parenting's hard. Last year, my youngest sister's daughter graduated from high school, and I watched all summer as she, my sister, had to try and figure out a way to let her go. Not just a way to let her go to college, but to let her go. For the first 18 years of her life, my sister's mentor said to her, you have been your daughter's boss. But now it is your responsibility to figure out how to make the transition into being a consultant. Parenting's hard. Early in my ministry, a wise old church member told me that a parent can be only as happy as their least happy child. Parenting's hard. They grow up and they have breakthroughs and victories, challenges and setbacks, and as a parent, you are there, even if in the background, even if just offstage in the wings. You're there every step along the way. You pick them up when they fall down. You help them learn what it means to be themselves, what it means to love themselves. You love them on the days when you may not exactly like them. You love them on the days when they make it perfectly clear to you that they don't like you very much either. Parenthood and marriage can have that in common, I suppose. And while the prophet Isaiah is most famous for presenting an image of our God as an anguished spouse, it is here that he shows us our God as an anguished parent. When Israel was a child, I loved him. It was I who taught him to walk. I bowed down and fed them. I was to them like someone who lifts up a child and holds it to their cheek. Again, we know these pictures. We can see them in our minds. Many of them have them up in our homes. The infant held against the cheek 
for a photo the young child in her high chair being spoon-fed by laughing parents. The toddler taken gently by the hand and slowly, carefully guided as they take their first wobbly steps through the house. At the same time, however, Hosea also shows us other pictures of parenthood, too, pictures that we don't frame, the images that we don't hang on the wall or put on the mantle for our guests to admire. God teaches God's children to walk. And yet once they have learned how, they use that skill to walk away. God calls to them, and yet they flee ever further. They refuse to answer. God can see exactly where they are headed, the trouble that is ahead of them, the heartache and the pain that are in store, and feels impotent to do anything to stop it. Parenting is hard. In the original context, this passage is a reflection on the people of Israel during the, during the tumultuous 8th century B.C. But ultimately, ultimately, it's really about all of us, isn't it? It's a story that's not confined to that century or to any century. God loves, God protects, God provides. But the children, it's the story of Adam and Eve hiding themselves in the garden. It's the story of King Solomon himself worshiping the gods of his neighbors. It's the story of the prodigal son catching the train to Vegas in order to blow his family's inheritance. It's us. We fall away, we wander, we make mistakes, bad decisions, selfish choices. We are determined to do it our way, come what may. We've learned to walk. So we go wherever we please, do whatever we please. We have learned to talk, so we say whatever we like. Even if it's unhelpful, even if it's unkind, even if it is untrue. Like Israel in this text, we have found it so easy to forget just who it is who has blessed us, who's looked out for us and provided for us and brought us to this day and this place in our lives. And yet the beautiful thing about this text is that it makes clear that even as we forget, God cannot forget us. Better yet, 
that God will not forget us, chooses not to forget us. That God refuses to forget. My people are bent on turning away from me, but how can I give you up? How can I hand you over? My heart recoils within me just considering it. With the option of retribution on one hand and resignation on the other, God here and always chooses a third way. Love. Love. Grace. Forgiveness. Redemption in the face of betrayal. Love in the face of ingratitude. Love in the face of brokenness and sinfulness and everything else in the whole wide world. Love. My heart recoils at my anger, God says. My compassion grows warm and tender. My friends, it is as true today as it was 3,000 years ago when these words were first written. God's people... God's children. Hard-headed as they are, hard-hearted as they can be, ungrateful, unkind, self-centered as they are. As we are. We, all of us, remain held tight in the perfect love of God. Safe, protected, secure. As secure as a little child lifted high up off the ground, legs dangling, held against their parents' cheek. As secure as a toddler who needs help walking around the house lest left to their own devices, they will inevitably stumble and fall. Thanks be to God. Amen.